0: Okay, so hello today on Bubble Radio. We have a guest from Singapore on the show. Uh, he is a working member of uh, Powerlifting Singapore as a technical director. He is also a personal trainer as well as a strength and conditioning coach working with softball athletes and golf players. I'm very excited to introduce Dylan Seoul. Stay, thank you for making the time to be on the show.
1: Hi everyone,
0: thank you for having me. Thank you. you. Yeah, and I know that you are involved in a lot of areas of lifting and fitness in general. And if there's like anything that you, if I missed out uh, while I was introducing you, maybe you can add something or is there anything that you would like to add? (laughs) I
1: I think that's about it.
2: (laughs) Okay.
0: And um, I don't know if I will be putting out the video, but Dylan is actually wearing Mm. a a Japanese powerlifting t-shirt. Yay! (laughs) That's awesome, and can you tell uh, everybody where you where you got that shirt? Maybe.
1: Oh, where I got this shirt, um, it was two thousand seventeen. Um, Singapore, we hosted uh, Oceana and uh, Oceana Championship and Pacific Invitational. I think we had some uh, lifters coming down from uh, Japan. We have mm. the legendary Kodama and Suzuki coming down, breaking yeah. world records, shipping world records by half a kg every time they lift.
3: Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay, and um, it just—I'm just wondering, what is it that you do as a technical director of a powerlifting association? Uh,
1: r- role of the technical director uh, mainly is to firstly ensure that a competition uh, is conducted. Uh, within the laws and the rules of uh, IPF,
3: mm-hmm. uh, because
1: the Federation, the Powerlifting Singapore, is um, aligned with IPF.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, also, for example, the rostering of referees, uh, making sure the, uh, how it's run. Uh,
3: mm-hmm.
1: And maybe, for example, like uh, more administrative stuff, like for example, the flights. Uh, which uh, which class to go at what time?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, making sure that
1: the uh, equipments are checked, everything is 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 covered according okay. to the rules.
0: Yes. Yeah, some um, you can get a lot of perspectives, not just from you know a performance mm-hmm. per- perspective, but also you know yeah. you're in the back and working in like the management ma- management side, which I think is like mm-hmm. very very interesting. Yeah. Well, in Japan, uh, we are currently experiencing like you know uh, the second wave of the coronavirus pandemic, and I know that gyms mm. were being very targeted. I don't know if it's in the in Japan only, but it's been very targeted as and bashed as being like the high risk areas of uh, COVID-19 yeah. and um, I'm just wondering how is the situation like of the pandemic in Singapore and how the gyms are handling it
1: oh well uh, we had two months of uh, kind of like what we call circuit breaker but it's actually lockdown in uh, mm-hmm. a period of time other gyms were closed uh, people could only train at home for me I was lucky because I kind of like have a uh, power rack at home
2: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but
1: the gyms were all closed so mm-hmm. now
3: uh,
1: we are kind of uh, there's a Kind of the measures at the east. So okay. the gyms are back open, uh, but there's a limitation of uh, entry. That means the capacity of the gyms.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: for example, if you'll be looking at uh, regular fitness classes, uh, mm-hmm. the maximum attendance is only five uh, clients at any time. Nice. And there's social distancing involved as well. So Mm -hmm. there are in certain gyms, commercial gyms, like for example, if you heard of like Pure Fitness and all those global gyms, Mm. uh, because of the limitation in the capacity, people have to go online to book a slot before they can go down to the gym where they have membership for. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, once the slots are open, it gets taken up straight away. So I would think there's a lot of people who are unable to train as how do you like, it or how is it like before the whole lockdown, before the whole coronavirus situation.
2: Mm,
0: and I, I think like...
1: Think a fact that's...
0: Yeah, and I think as a coach as well, uh, you know, with your clients, where clients are pretty much forced to stay at home and coming back to the gym, it must be very challenging too. Because, you know, nothing like this has ever really happened. Well, since I was born. So it's like it must be very <laughs> challenging for you to manage your clients as well
1: um managing clients yes it was especially doing a circuit breaker i think not everyone was um, convinced or wants to or see the value in remote coaching
3: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: because uh, the clients i handle mainly are face-to-face yes uh, physical sessions uh, so those doing physical sessions uh, may not see the value in uh, remote coaching although mm-hmm. i would say powerlifters tend to do more remote coaching than yes. face-to-face uh, because the session, the amount of uh, trainings that our do is immense. If they have to pay for a like, physical the session, they must be super loaded.
2: Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. So I think during the circuit breaker, remote coaching was uh, people could only rely on remote coaching um, in terms of like programming or uh, Zoom training. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I think you know, the boils down to perhaps creativity, being able to find things. If let's say you don't have equipment at home, how are you gonna mm-hmm. Do load, for example, uh, how are you going to change your squat? What we're going to change the squat into? Uh, perhaps you can elevate your heel, um, carry a 10 kg sack of rice in yeah. front of you, do some goblet squats, and how are you going to perform those? How are you gonna, going to retain as much of your uh, muscles and strength as mm-hmm. much as possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think there's challenges, but, uh, but I don't think it's something that. Uh, if if you really want want it, I think there's ways around it. It just mm. points down to how willing or
0: how yeah. creative
1: you want to get. Yes.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think you definitely um, make a very good point with that. And um, just like with the uh, moving on to some of uh, your introduction, I think uh, as a, like a mm. starter question, what made you mm. interested in? powerlifting or strength training like were you involved in any other sport and that made you want to do strength training or like what is, what is the what is your story almost yeah uh,
1: my memory is a bit vague here uh, <laughs> I, I think i was pretty active since young um, okay. since young i've played numerous sports i've done badminton swimming mm-hmm. um, table tennis a lot okay. of things uh, before I went into national service in Singapore, there's mandatory conscription.
3: Mm.
2: So before
1: I went into the army, uh, I started picking up a little bit of um, strength training with friends. It's kind of more like peer pressure
2: yeah,
1: with, <laughs> with you know guy friends. Hey, let's go to the gym.
3: I think that's <laughs> very common.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's very common, right? So, but after doing national service, it became more like a hobby, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm training with my. Uh, buddies in the gym um, became more like a hobby because after a while it became like a habit Uh,
3: I Mm -hmm. enjoy
1: training I enjoy just uh, bettering myself
3: Mm -hmm.
1: I enjoy uh, because all the while since young I've always been the really skinny guy (laughs)
3: so I think
1: doing something like that uh, helps me feel more confident as well Mm -hmm. when I'm getting stronger, when my weight is increasing slightly, I think uh, it feels good, it feels great. So it's something I enjoy to do. So it became a hobby. Uh, Mm -hmm. After National Service, I think I was in a different industry at first, but I still maintain the physical activity. Uh, I went into to strength training after hiatus because uh, of a work that that took too much of my time so i okay. felt really ill mm-hmm. i lost so much weight at this height i was like 50 kg
3: wow I lost so much less than me I
1: was, I was i was sick for like a whole month i was just wow. skin and bones after that so after that i i had to pick it up again
3: mm-hmm. uh,
1: uh, then that's where i kind of rekindled my 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 passion Mm-hmm. After that, put, after putting on some weight, I went like some sports, and I started looking at strength spots. Um, mm-hmm. Just a regular SBD, I started seeing uh, athletes from Singapore. I was quite amazed uh, how some of the athletes. Uh, we we have a couple of athletes who broke world records before in Singapore.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was amazed because they were lighter than me and they're lifting much more than I did.
3: Ah, <laughs> uh,
1: yes. So then I looked at strongman. I I went under a few mentors. I did some strongman implements, some strongman training as well. Uh, Things like flipping the tires, like Mm -hmm. 350 kg tires. That was quite a milestone to flip it over.
3: Wow. Uh,
0: Okay so cuz it sounds yeah. like um um not only are you into like lifting and just uh lifting up heavy things it sounds like you're all about like um bettering yourself and challenging yourself and yes, you know right. moving your body and stuff yes. like that so it's not only um it doesn't sound like it's only strength training uh,
1: it's not only uh, I think the lifting is just, uh Part of this journey, uh, I went into it simply because of my buddies. Uh, I saw some of them, uh, one of them actually uh, participating in, in a strength class against in Singapore. And mm. after experiencing the atmosphere, I thought, why not? I'm just going to try. Uh,
3: mm.
1: Back then, my wife now, back then my girlfriend. Uh, so why don't we just go and participate in one of the, the meets? Anyway, so we went and we until now, I'm still doing all the uh, SBDs.
0: Yeah, that's really um, yeah. That's really awesome because um, I think, uh, I don't know if it's like that in Singapore, but in Japan, for people who want to try powerlifting, it's very hard for someone to actually go into a meet and start uh, powerlifting because you pretty much have to be, you don't have to, but you, it's, it's normal for you to be in a powerlifting gym. You have to do all these registration and competing as an athlete in Japan is something that you don't really think of if in the general population and it mm. the it was this in Singapore was it like uh was it very easy for you to compete in the sport of powerlifting even you have even if you have never touched the bubble before or
1: I would say it's easy. <laughs> mm,
0: that's very important <laughs> I, I think,
1: think I think the culture here is a bit different. Um <laughs> I would think that the amount of for example the administrative work that I hear or, or the And it also might seem a bit less regimented, Um, we do have a lot of new lifters uh, coming in, uh, almost every meet you see young kids coming in without, with no experience, they don't even know what's a, for example, a proof suit. (laughs) So Uh, they come in with an approved belt, they tell them, oh no, you can't use this. So, Yes, there are certain things that can be good with a very structured system. Uh, people mm. will go in uh, well aware of what they're supposed to do, what they're supposed they are not supposed to do. But then uh, I would think that uh, perhaps um, the sport may grow a bit faster uh, if it's, it's slightly less regimented.
3: Yeah,
0: definitely, and uh, especially yeah, as a, a especially as a woman as well in Japan, I think you you'd have to know somebody. Who is into powerlifting mm. to for you to compete because it's not it's not normal at all. Like I'm a little bit like um I'm a little bit crazy. So I like I look at things <laughs> on Instagram and oh I really want to try this, I wanna do it, so I'm gonna I just, you know, jumped into the sport. But a lot of people are not like that. So I think they feel very, especially women here, feel very hesitant to mm. even start lifting.
3: Yeah.
1: Is there a reason why it's more is it um Kind of like a social construct where people think a certain way or is it uh, the, the the laws or the rules governing the sport itself
0: i think it's more of a social construct because uh i i don't know about other people but i, but I definitely was made to feel mm. like i am not even today i still feel like i'm not meant to be doing like lifting barbells in general like the, and i think um, <laughs> coming from like a like a uh, shame culture in Japan, it's it's oh. very difficult to be different in Japan. And especially as a, wom- like a woman breaking huge stereotypes, it's just normal to begin with. So I think it's a cultural thing
3: <laughs> as well.
1: I see, I see. I think it's very interesting. Um, a few years back, I worked for this uh, Japanese gym.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: pretty sure you have heard of them. They're called Rise Up.
3: Oh yes, yes. Okay, okay.
1: <laughs> I think I worked for them for two years. Wow, uh, it was pretty interesting. <laughs> yes, I worked for them for two years. They have a back then a branch in Singapore. We opening up another one, but I eventually left. Uh, yes.
0: Okay, that that is a very very famous gym. Yeah, <laughs> personal. it's yes, fam- very famous. Mm. Yeah, I was,
1: I was I could tell that the clients that um, because we did handle like for example almost a third. Of our clients were Japanese, uh, and the rest were either other expats or Singaporeans. Uh, I would say the Japanese clients' yeah, mindset uh, when it comes to training were a little bit different from the other demographics.
3: Okay. So I
1: think I, I think I can understand what you're saying.
0: <laughs> mm. And what do you think, like the intention of uh, women that is joining, uh, we're trying to is there like a this ideal uh, body type for women or like in in Singapore do they I, I don't know like in Japan you're made to feel like um you got to be a specific body type and that is why we have a hard time Like trying to get into the gym and stuff like that. I wonder if it's the same in Singapore
1: I think there'll always be such stereotypes um, Although it might seem that our coaches are a bit more uh, open uh, because our mm-hmm. our, our, our culture is very diverse actually we have a lot of different races uh, Mm -hmm. and we have a lot of foreigners as as well so I Mm -hmm. think our culture is a bit more diverse uh, so uh, but the traditional stereotype of women will still be around Uh, Mm -hmm. so I think um, sorry I kind of like (laughs) I kind of like forgot what you're asking but Ah. yes uh, you're asking about a stereotype yes we have that
0: yes Mm, yeah every culture is very different and i think it's very um interesting yes. and just bringing the, back the topic a little bit um obviously mm. you got into powerlifting uh, through yes. you, you know because you wanted to challenge new things and you were always involved in uh, some sport uh, but yes. what is what made you want to become a coach because it's it's one thing to be an mm. athlete and it's a different thing to be a coach so i'm just wondering where's the segue you know between those two
2: mm.
1: Did I segue into it? Um, interesting question. I think uh, I, I think I came to a point where I realized that hey, perhaps I'm better as a coach than an athlete. <laughs> mm. Yes. So I think I was very lucky. I was very blessed to have a coach who not only coached me in the sport of powerlifting but coached me how to coach. Mm, okay. Yeah, so I think I was very blessed. Um, it was I was so lucky to have that coach. Um, he he was the president. He is the president of um, a strongman group in Singapore. He
2: okay. did powerlifting
1: as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was competing, uh, he coached me, and he, uh, he every time when my wife was training, he would ask me to coach my wife in front of him.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I, I learned a lot of coaching skills from him. Mm-hmm. And of course, before that, I did a little bit of private kind of coaching, but those were not all specific.
3: Mm. So I
1: think it's a mixture of all those experiences that uh, made me decide that, oh, perhaps I should be a coach.
0: Okay. And what do you think like some of the the, uh, personality, like qualities of... What would make a good coach? Because you know, as I said before, being one uh, an athlete is one thing, but being a coach is another. What do you think is like mm-hmm. some of the qualities that you would need to have to be a a decent coach? Do you have any input <laughs> on that?
2: Yeah.
1: Well, I think this is a little bit anecdotal. Uh, I I always believe that to a certain extent, when you're in in the in the mind of an athlete, it's mm-hmm. always a little bit more selfish. Mm -hmm. it's about getting myself better doing what it takes to bring my performance up but as a coach it's a little bit different Uh, it tends to be a bit more giving it's no Mm -hmm. longer about myself it's about my athlete how my athlete's going to perform so i'm not sure whether it's a trade or is it more of a mindset shift right but yes there's a difference
0: Mm, like the the Yeah, pretty much. I think when you are looking after clients, you kind of do have to be like selfless in a way. And, you know, that because of that comes, I think, good communication and and yeah, things like that, that would make a decent coach. And yeah, I also thought it was interesting that recently a lot of uh, people coach through like remote coaching, as you said, and online coaching is very prevalent in powerlifting. But I have realized that you work hand in hand with clients, like face to face. And yes. what, like, I it just makes me wonder what is the most rewarding thing as being a powerlifting coach, where you actually interact with clients, and yeah, if there is anything, mm,
1: having them break their PRs. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
1: well, I think it's about about s- building a relationship. You know, the coaching is more than just uh, getting a huge PRs, getting a big squat, a big deadlift, or a bench. Uh, but it's about bringing them through a journey uh, mm-hmm. watching them overcome themselves outdoing mm-hmm. themselves and I think it's, there's a joy when someone who has spent the last six months fully in and devoted to the practice of the sport itself hitting a, a massive PR it's not just about the PR but then it's about the overcoming mm-hmm. that brings joy to a coach Right. and also of course the relationship that you build along the way if your friends, your teammates, uh, in, in the gym, I think those are uh, the things that are very rewarding.
0: Yeah, and not you know, and just I don't know, like um, not only do you get to witness the the progress that mm-hmm. with the clients that you work with, you also make get to make a a, a good relationship with them. And I yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah with the coaching, I think um you said you have to kind of be selfless in a way. But is there yes. a part of you, like personally, that want to mm. be selfish in a way that you think like, oh, do I want to do this too, kind of? Because you know, you do you do coaching <laughs> as a living. I'm just wondering if you're, you know, if you do have like the selfish, quote unquote, selfish thoughts where you'd be like, I want to break PRs.
1: I think I think that will always be at the back of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit that will always be at the back of my mind. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we need to understand what we are doing, uh, mm-hmm. why we are doing what we are doing, so that uh, we will not kind of sidetrack from our goals or the decision we made to pursue what we pursue.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh,
1: so, yes, but yes, I have to end up back on my mind all the time. <laughs> Every time <laughs> when my training is going well, then um, perhaps I should take less classes. spend more time on myself instead of of earning money, you know, those are things that are back of my mind all the time (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, you are you are a human after all so I think it's okay to have yes. that. Yes. Yeah. And, um, uh, as you said you've been involved with the you know the managing side of uh, powerlifting in Singapore as well. And I know we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Do you think there is like um a, a unique way of powerlifting in Singapore or do you think it's like heavily influenced by the US in terms of maybe like programming and technique and stuff like that?
3: Um
1: I don't think we have a very unique. Perhaps our unique way is that we are not so unique. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are, yes, we are influenced by US, but I think we are also heavily influenced by the rest of the world, not just the US. Um, mm-hmm. I, one do, the thing that I would think is perhaps um, compared to the other parts of the world, for example, like Russia, they wouldn't have so much people on social media sh- showing their training videos, training logs, how mm-hmm. they do certain things. Um, but yeah, I think we are very diverse. Uh, we Nowadays, with uh, how technology is, we are very connected with the rest of the world.
3: Mm-hmm. We can just
1: log on to IG. That's where uh, I think we found each other. Uh, mm-hmm. To, to yeah. just observe skills and techniques of world-class powerlifters all around the world. I have seen people in Singapore learning how to squat uh, starting strength style like Mark Frippatoe, mm-hmm. head down, hips back all the way. Uh, yeah. may, or maybe like how the Russian squats, uh, head up, very wide stance. Um, perhaps um, with working with variable resistance like, for example, the west side. Have you heard of Westside side barbell?
3: Yes. Conjugate
1: style? Yeah, yeah. with bands and chains. Uh, I also have seen a lot of lifters in Singapore bench pressing like the Japanese.
3: Ah, White grip yeah. with
1: their wrist rotated.
3: Yeah. 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 Like this out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, or maybe so I might have even have seen people in Singapore trying to imitate the Yuri Belkin. Have you heard of Yuri Balkin?
3: No, I haven't. He has
1: insane sumo they Beautiful okay. sumo <laughs> And he he usually they without a belt as well.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's more uh, of like incorporating different uh, uh, yes. different ways of how different countries do things.
1: Yes, but uh, of course, it, it might not fully benefit everyone because mm. our anthropometry is always different. Uh, so it's about uh, length length, body length ratio, right? So it might ultimately only benefit uh, athletes who are similar to their idols.
2: Mm. Yes.
1: Right. Yes. Um, and another thing about Singapore powerlifting in Singapore is we tend to have much more raw lifters than equipped okay. lifters. Mm-hmm. The equipped lifting culture in Singapore is not that strong, but okay. raw lifting is very popular.
2: Mm, okay. so
1: US still do have a lot of equipped lifting, so I will not say we are like the US. Uh, we mm. do have a pretty unique culture here.
0: Okay. Yeah, because uh, we, I think Japan is one of those countries who does still do a lot of equipped lifting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's and I think I... the
1: Europeans still do a lot of equipped lifting as well. Mm. Europeans, US. I'm not sure about Russia. Really. They don't have so many of their lifters uh, <laughs> on IG. But yes, yeah. Um. do you know Ferenc Seiko? Under 59 kg.
3: Yes.
1: yes. Uh, he does equipment. So the guy's is insane. He's like built to lift. <laughs> ah,
0: so you, so, do you not have many? Um, do you have equipped like national meets in Singapore? You you must have, right?
1: The last time we had someone uh, who competed uh, in the uh, equipped uh, category, well, I can't remember which year was that a few years ago. Uh, and oh. we do it together with our raw meat because we don't have ah. enough equipped lifters. Usually, it's just maybe a handful uh, back then. Now, uh, the last few years, I did not have any equipped lifters signing up. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) And if there's not uh, equipped competitors, there won't be equipped coaches, right? Who is able to pass on that kind of way of lifting as well. So it it must be very hard for the equipped lifting community.
1: (laughs) I think the only, probably the two most experienced uh, equipped lifters in Singapore will be our president. Uh, Mr. Seitan, he's, uh, he's a colonel in the Navy. Oh,
3: <laughs> uh,
1: okay. I think he's pretty well known in the uh, International Powerlifting community. another one was um, my predecessor. He's actually now Vice President, uh, Dr. Bajun. Okay. So, uh, they have done uh, equip lifting before. So, if anyone were to do equip lifting in Singapore, those are the people I'll point to.
0: Okay. And... Uh, just with a little bit of uh, maybe even the raw lifting in Singapore. Are, are there a lot of powerlifting gyms in Singapore? Like, if if I was to mm. visit Singapore, am I able to go as a visitor and then a uh, train at a specific powerlifting gym? Or
1: yes, uh, we do have powerlifting gyms here. Powerlifting specific gym. Uh, last time it used to be three, but now two: the Strength Yard and Elevate Barbell. Uh,
3: okay I think one of it has
1: Might have changed their names I can't remember One of Whether They, they are changing Because I think One is kind of going through uh, Rebranding But if you are to come to Singapore uh, You can visit uh, The Strength Yard Or Elevate Barbell uh, okay. The last time They used to be Gym Nation But then they're not around anymore I used to train there
3: Okay yeah,
1: It was uh, It was kind of like Home for a few years
0: Ah oh, <laughs> Okay yeah, because um, just for those who might be like having plans on going to Singapore, it might be really interesting yes. to note that. And um, how much How much is it usually just, you know, as a visitor to go in?
1: Tell you frankly, I I, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but it should be in a ballpark about, uh, I would think, close, about $10, 10 sing Okay. Yes. Okay. It's not yeah. that expensive. Yeah. It
2: should yeah. be around
0: there. I think it's uh, that's also different in Japan as well. Um, it's probably a lot uh, easier for you to go into like a commercial gym in Japan instead of a powerlifting gym, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I um, <laughs> just want to bring the conversation into the no- next topic which is uh Okay. Um like the big reason that I wanted to have you on the podcast is because uh you do a lot of posts based on science and pretty much like logic. And, you know, you last, I think last week you posted something about whole eggs and egg whites and how they differently oh, affect uh, muscle protein synthesis. And, you know, other things such as, you know, uh, hypertrophy training with cluster sets. And I love these, you know, the posts that you do because it gives like a different perspective on in lifting and uh, exercise in general. And I just um picked up a topic that you had covered which I thought was very interesting mm. which um and could really benefit uh powerlifting athletes is the creatine uh, the use of creatine supplementation and yes. uh creatine is like one of the most I think it's the one of the most researched uh performance enhancing yes, supplements that has been looked in the scientific literature and a lot of like these studies seems to suggest that there are like, beneficial effects, not just in the means of, like, enhancing performance, but other aspects such as, like, age-related yes. diseases and such as dementia mm-hmm. and even for metabolic complications such as glucose oxidation and, and things like that. And I think he brought up a really, mm-hmm. really interesting, I think it was 2011 study on effects of creatine during uh, sleep-deprived state, which I will get back to Sleep in a perfect. second. Yes. Um, But maybe for those who might not be aware of what creatine supplementations are, maybe it sounds, quote unquote, dangerous or like, oh, is this steroids or something like that? I'm sure sure (laughs) people are not like that. But if there are are people like that listening, can you maybe briefly explain um, the benefits of creatine supplementation and maybe from like a powerlifting athlete perspective, if it is beneficial for them or it's not I don't
1: know, yeah. Just to be a little cheeky, I, I think there were some sport federations or drug testing federations who tried to ban uh, ca- uh, creatine.
3: <laughs> Just okay. like
1: how they tried to ban caffeine. But how are you going to ban creatine? For it? Because creatine can be found in a lot of uh, food products, for example, like meat.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah? Um, so, for example... Uh, Things like, for example, red meat, beef will tend to have a little bit more creatine compared to perhaps uh, chicken, mm-hmm. which is kind of strange to me because uh, red meat tend to be more type one fiber than type uh, than type okay. two. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yes, uh, okay. If we'll be talking about powerlifters uh, specifically, um, perhaps we first want to look at. Uh, the demands of the sport itself, um, how can creating benefit powerlifters, um, what is powerlifting? Basically it's about lifting one RMs in the mean, right? So mm-hmm. Building up this one RM, but just one rep, one rep, one rep. If we'll be looking at um, duration of the lift, uh, which of the lift SBD will be the longest? Uh, I think I've calculated before,
3: mm-hmm. the
1: squat tend to have a slightly longer duration in the single rep compared to the yeah. rest of the lift. So if we are to calculate the duration of a squat, starting from racing under the bar, uh, mm-hmm. unracking, walking mm-hmm. out, uh, getting start command, squatting, coming up, putting the bar back on the rack, it would take about uh, fifteen seconds. Mm-hmm. Fight, fifteen seconds um, for the third attempt. I, I, I base that duration on one of the IPF rules for life, uh, Sorry, for raw.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, raw this uh, Most people hit around fifteen seconds, but there are some who rush out the, the wreck uh, you can get it under slightly under 10 seconds but that's very rare and you mm-hmm. don't really want to rush out with heavy weight on your bike <laughs> so yes 15 seconds so if you look at um, the energy system
2: mm-hmm. energy
1: system so you usually people think oh, uh, at one point of time there's only one energy system but then all three are usually working at the same time you can never take away the, uh, for example aerobic system if not you suffocate and you die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at different point of time during uh, high-intensity activity, uh, there'll be uh, energy systems that are more dominant. First 10 seconds, you likely you'll see ATP-PC, phosphocreatine energy system that's a bit more dominant.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: After that, from 10 seconds to about 2 minutes, that it will be your glycolytic system. That's where you have your glycogen, your, your carbohydrates, right? Mm-hmm. So if you to compare that with the demands on powerlifting, you have just uh, high energy demands in a very short span of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at 15 seconds, the first 10 seconds, that's like two-thirds of the duration, is highly dependent on the ATP-PC. And mm-hmm. uh relies on creatine itself. So if you look at um, just normal dietary uh, intake, uh, likely you will not get a lot of creatine, you can get creatine, but I reckon, I can't remember the actual numbers, I, I, re, I remember to it to be somewhere about 1 gram of creatine a day, mm-hmm. um, and you can synthesize another gram as well,
3: okay.
2: so
1: that's uh, not a lot, and regular dosage of uh, creatine in supplements, you get about 2 plus to 5 grams mm-hmm. per serving. So essentially, with uh, creatine supplementation, you can get much more creatine. And mm-hmm. with that, it's going to, in dar- I would say, directly help uh, with you with your training. And because uh, if you to look at training, you'll never be just one repetition.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And one repetition is usually perhaps when you're getting close to the competition. Some people will not do one repetition. Some people will do uh, at a some max weight. Uh, But then their working sets usually involve a little bit more repetitions or even off-season when you're trying to push a little bit more volume, uh, when you're trying to induce a bit more hypertrophy uh, in the body uh, that Mm -hmm. causes more more volume, right? So with increase in creatine, you tend to have slightly buffered fatigue. Uh, Okay. Your work capacity increases because you have more energy substrate, right? Right. Uh, That way you are able to do more, recover Mm. faster and that will give you what happens, um, greater hypertrophic gains, uh, also greater strength gains as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a true believer in creating all of this.
0: Mm. And like with the um, uh, long-term hypertrophy and strength gains, it comes from the fact that you are able to uh, squeeze in even a single rep that you might not be able to do before the creatine supplementation. Mm. And during that time, that yes. one extra rep that you might be able to do, that adds up like, and then that leads to uh, yes. hypertrophy and strength gains. Is, is that Does that sound like I'm understanding? Okay.
1: Yes, yes, okay. that's right. And of course, um, so, some people might think, um, but the studies talking about strength gains always uh, uh, favor not going to failure. So, why will you want to squeeze the extra rep out? But then, if you look at it this mm-hmm. way, if um, have you heard of the RPE system? Yes. Rate of uh, perceived assertion or mm-hmm. RR, reps in reserve. So, mm-hmm. strength athletes tend to want to stay away from failure. It mm-hmm. accumulates too much fatigue. Um, and week to week conditions might not be as good because you might not recover in time for the following session. Uh, with that said, if you are able to do for example you uh, you are you are planning to do three sets of five uh, mm-hmm. at a certain intensity it might be what eighty percent for example. if you can do it at r p seven why would you want to do it at r p e eight
3: that is true yes yes
1: yeah. if you yes. can move the weight better why would would you want to move the weight slower? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: That doesn't make sense at
1: all yes
0: yeah. And for, for those that uh, might be thinking that creatine is some sort of, like, an unfair of gaining strength or hypertrophy, can you maybe, like, explain to them why this is not really the, the case?
1: Well, even if you don't supplement it, your body's still using it, just that it's, uh, your body, your st- body storage uh, is much lesser. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're supplementing creatine, or even if you're not supplementing creatine, your body is excreting uh, uh, creatine and creatine every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, creatine, creatine is a byproduct after the breakdown, right? When you, mm-hmm. when you create ATP-PC, the, the creatine will turn into creatine before it's passed out from urine. But at the right. same time, there's only a certain limit that your body can store. I would not say it's an absolute amount, but every day your body will pass out. And if you're able to uh, su- supply a body with more creatine, uh, the, the body storage is just a little bit higher. So mm. I would not say that um, it's something that I, I don't think you can ever avoid not using ADPPC. So yeah. to, if you have to say there's an unfair advantage, it's a bit strange as well. Because mm. you're still utilizing uh, creatine. You're still utilizing that energy substrate, so. Right. Uh, but if you were to compare, for example, like a vegan lifter to someone uh, who's on, on on meat, so are you gonna say that the meat eater is having unfair advantage over the vegan eater? Oh, that's true. That doesn't make sense at all, right? <laughs> <That's
0: really true. laughs> no, I'm just am trying to understand where this um myth comes from. You know, like I wonder how it, it this started. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then it's, it's, a, it's a equivalent to saying um, someone who is drinking coffee is cheating. Yeah. Because we know coffee has its uh, performance enhancing abilities as well. Mm. So, yeah.
0: Really interesting. Um, And also, I think you it's, it's fair to clarify clarify uh, the different types of creatine supplementation. Because I, mm. I, I'm guessing that you are talking about creatine monohydrate, uh, which... Mm. Because I think people, because you know, a lot of companies selling different things and trying to promote Mm. a a lot of different supplements. Uh, What is, I just said it, but what is probably the creatine supplementation that you recommend and something to maybe stay away from if there are any?
1: Um, I think, firstly, I think what you need to look at is perhaps the brands that you're buying from. Mm. Uh, Make sure it's reputable. If possible, make sure it's tested. Uh, at Powerless, there's, um, I'm not sure what, what federations you have in Japan, but one thing I know, uh, probably one of the biggest would be affiliated to IPF. And that means that it's drug tested. Uh, you want to avoid any form of contamination in our supplements.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: there are cases where athletes, uh, for example, in their pre-workout or there are various kinds of supplements, they have... Um, some kind of banned substances inside. Mm-hmm. So after that, they get caught by WADA, they have to sit <laughs> up competition for a few years, or be banned for, I don't know, indefinitely, I'm not sure. So yeah. it depends, yeah. So firstly, mm-hmm. to look at uh, more reputable brands, if mm-hmm. possible, lab tested that is clean, okay? Right. Uh, next, um, I'll probably recommend Crea pure.
3: Right. And okay. Crea-
1: Creepure is kind of like the one of the purest form of creating available on the market.
3: Mm-hmm. I think
1: it was uh, designed, I wouldn't say design was. I think it was engineered in Germany. Okay. I can't remember actually. But Create Pure, creating monohydrate, that would be one of uh, the purest form available on the market.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and it has very good uh, water solubility. That means it clumps up lesser. And yeah, if possible right. if from, perhaps...
0: from Germany, mm-hmm. yes.
1: You're right yeah uh, if possible get a micronized one less clumping up together
3: mm-hmm.
1: easier easier to d- dissolve uh sometimes you have creatine sitting in the water for hours and it just refuses to dissolve so get a micronized one right yes okay
0: and the, i don't know i'm not too aware of the, the supplementation side of things but um i've mm. seen a lot of the things that y- a lot of the things are mixed I think in Japan cuz um, mm. and they make it sound like um, it's like this super product that you can you can get the most benefit out of but I I and you know there's creatine mixed with like oh creatine something mix or something I I don't know like <laughs> and I think people might be kind of confused by that.
1: Um y- y- are you talking about um, proprietary blends?
0: Yes, blends, yes. I think fine something.
1: I'm not very sure about blends, but I do recall um, reading uh, a paper on uh, ingesting creatine together with uh, um, other macronutrients, uh, helping with the recovery rate. But I can't remember. I can't, so I can't really talk about the details about that. I do remember something like that. But then, as for proprietary blends, I'm not very sure. Mm. Um, yes.
0: Yeah, but there is you can't really go wrong with you know, a pure creatine or, like, the normal simple creatine monohydrate and, yeah. That's right. Okay. And I think, uh, I think the one image that we have when taking creatine supplementation is, like, the the water retention that you kind of get from it Mm -hmm. as, like, a side effect. And people think that it's some sort of, like, a permanent weight gain or, like, it is you're getting fat or something like that. And, um... What? How would you explain the water? Uh, how the water retention side of taking creatine supplementation? And is this something that you really need to worry about?
2: Hmm.
1: Okay. So when we look at weight gain that uh, associated with creatine, um, how does it happen? Um, the exact cause of weight gain is not determined yet, uh, mm. but it is hy- commonly speculated or hypothesized to be. Uh, the increase in protein synthesis and water retention.
3: Mm. Yeah, uh,
1: I will be sending you some uh, perhaps paper that you'll be interested in. I've actually uh, because you send me the questions, I have uh, copied uh, the the sorry the reference. Okay? Uh, okay. But yes, as for water retention, creatine uh, is osmotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's speculated that creatine pulls water into the muscle cells. Uh, but there's a paper that they're looking into that. So mm-hmm. after creatine supplementations, they look at the fluid distribution uh, with intra-extra um, muscular cells.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, it seems to not have a difference in distribution between inside the cell or outside the cell. Okay. So uh, there's more studies, uh, probably need more study to further understand this uh, uh, water retention and uh, how creatine affects uh, distribution, but so far there's uh, not much uh, um, evidence saying that is pulling into the cell. So, but then yes, we know that it's osmotic. Uh, we know that uh, there's retention. But do we need to re- really worry about creating water mm-hmm. retention? Yeah, th- there was this study. Uh, they look at uh, acute supplementation of um, actually not acute. Not really acute anymore. So they started from they, they did pre supplementation. They measured um, the creatine levels. They measured the bo- body water. They measured the body mass. Uh, mm-hmm. They measured another time after seven days of supplementation and after 28 days. Uh, so uh, on a ger- generally we look at uh, body mass is on the in- is increasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, average in this paper they started with about. 75.54 kg, on 7th day, it went up to 76.29, and on a day 28, it went up to 76.86, um, but the increment actually is not that big after the first week,
0: right, okay, yeah,
1: so yep. does it really affect us if we are uh, taking that uh, chronically, Um
2: uh, mm.
1: At first, you may experience a little bit of um, water retention, but then what we know, for example, if you go onto a BIA machine, body impedance, right, uh, the ones where you're standing there, it sends electrical that's signals to see your, the, your your, your mess. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: People who people are lean tend to have, have a bit more body water body as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, because yeah, they have they more have muscles, more
3: muscle. and muscles right.
1: stores water.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so... It can be speculated. I'll i will, i, will, I will give the hypothesis that from day seven to day twenty eight, uh, the mm-hmm. water retention is probably, it's definitely insignificant. It's likely through through perhaps the increase in muscular gains, they mm-hmm. have that the amount of water. Right, yeah, and it, we have uh, so many research looking at uh, creatine, yeah. being able to help put on muscles without mm-hmm. uh, increase in fat gain as well.
0: Right. Yes, Mm. Um,
1: so I I do not think that water retention would be a huge problem, other than than perhaps when you're one week out from competition, you're trying to lose weight and right up to perhaps three days away from competition when you don't have any training left, you're still like (laughs) dumping, creating it, then that may be a problem because you're trying to water cut, for example.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, it's important to know that uh, it's it's really hard to say because it does work differently for for everybody. But maybe if you were to take um, creatine as a powerlifting athlete, what mm. is some of the? Well, maybe not start taking it right before the meet, right? As you said, uh, if, yeah. you water, if you need to cut I, water, if you need to cut. I think it depends on
1: context. It depends on context. Mm. Uh, if you are not at risk of. Uh, uh, of, of weighing yeah. higher than you're supposed to for your category, category. by all means.
3: Yeah.
1: If you yeah. have another 2 to 3 kg play with, you should take it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <But> then, uh, <laughs> if you're at the edge, you're cutting close, um, maybe not, maybe after the meet, you can try the next cycle with the creatine. The mm. Yeah, so it depends on the context.
0: And it's not even... It, I wouldn't say it's a very good idea to try something new right before the meet anyways, if you're... Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) just to be safe.
1: Going to the meat, I I guess it's very psychological. Everything Mm -hmm. must be according to routine. You want to do everything exactly the way, for example, um, you start a training session, uh, the way you prepare yourself, or maybe the music you listen to, you want something Mm -hmm. familiar, um, the way you warm up. So,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, but yes and no, some people might not be affected by it. Um, Like what I say, if you have a few kg to spare, Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're drinking away from your gym routine, uh, that is fine. Um, mm-hmm. so some people might think that they have to drink it pre or post, but but um, yeah. that is um, that depends as well. Uh, I wanted to cover this for recommend if uh, for recommendations at the end, but I think I can cover it now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about the recommendations of uh, of creatine intake. Um, there were paper that look at acute intake, um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it shows that uh, post-exercise uh, was more beneficial, but that looks looked at acute intake, but not chronic intake. If you look at, uh, if you're already chronically ingesting protein, 5 grams a day over a long period of time, uh, I don't think that's going to make a difference. Right.
0: Okay. okay. Yes. Yes. Mm. post Wow, I did. I actually did not know that. So post pers- post. This okay.
1: for people who don't have uh do not supplement creatine uh, regularly.
0: Mm, Okay. No problem. And um, as like a side effect, I personally experienced it myself. That mm. I feel mm. like because you know it it really does when you start taking it first. It really does pull water into your intestines almost. I feel like I cannot leave the toilet. <laughs> I don't don't think it's um, anything bad about it.
1: So, uh, watery stools?
0: Mm, Yes, yes. But it's not, uh, I don't feel any cramps or anything, but I Mm. recognize that every time I start taking creatine.
1: (laughs) is very interesting. Um, So, the thing is that I I myself, I had uh, IBS for years, Mm. so uh, diarrhea comes very common to me. Right. Uh, there were periods of time where I thought it was creatine as well, but mm-hmm. when I was just going through all the reviews on creatine, it seems like creatine did not really give a lot of people any sort of uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: stomach gut issues.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm not sure about that. Yes. Yeah.
2: I can
0: I, I, not many people around me uh, has the same problems as me. So.
1: <laughs> but. Yeah, I I had thought that I had a thought that I was experiencing that as well. Mm. Yeah, certain times where perhaps um, this is a bit anecdotal, so not very sciencey. <laughs> but <laughs> for example, uh, when I I didn't have a meal, then I have a suddenly a, a full serving of creatine. And it sometimes give me a little awkward feeling in my stomach, mm-hmm. slightly nauseated.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: and also diarrhea, so I'm yeah. not very sure. But yeah. so far, according to the reviews, uh, it does not upset the tummy as much as uh, what I would think.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely, and uh, just to note that it does—it it went away for me in like a day, so it was very. Oh.
1: Yeah, perhaps it, it might be something else so this uh that's the uh, issue with uh, anecdotal evidence right because uh, <laughs> it's not controlled we don't know yeah. what else do you eat it that's must true. be something else that you ate so it yeah. might not be created so that's why i say
3: yeah, when this anecdote is
1: it might not be so sciencey
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. And then, um, I don't know. We're just like, we're coming up on time almost, but I just want to talk about, I just want to mm. touch on the topic of creatine supplementation and its effect, mm-hmm. effects during sleep deprivation. But for those who hasn't, mm. who haven't maybe seen your, your Instagram post, cause I know you did a two, part two post about it. Um, and I thought it was very interesting. Yes. Can you maybe briefly, and I will uh, link whatever... Oh, my yes. part two post. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't but remember what I did for the part two.
0: I think it it's something to do with uh, testosterone levels and uh, um, uh, about caffeine, uh, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe I can, I, I can, I can cover, cover the part, part, one, part one first. One. Uh, mm-hmm. um,
0: Briefly is fine.
1: Yes. Yeah, this paper was done, done to study the effects of creatine... creatine. In a state deprived state. So basically, uh, the, the subjects, subjects didn't weren't consuming creatine mm-hmm.
3: for the last few months. Mm-hmm.
1: I can't remember the exact uh, duration. I mm-hmm. need to go back to the paper for that. So the subjects were not uh, consuming creatine for a long period of time. Uh, then they were asked to perform skewed um, tests. Basically, mm-hmm. they were elite rugby players. Mm -hmm. You have to run and uh, pass the the rugby ball into a hoop. And it's based on a skill of kind of accuracy, accuracy task. Mm -hmm. So what they found was they compared placebo, caffeine and creatine. They found uh, caffeine and creatine to be able to uh, relieve the detrimental effects of sleep deprivation on the accuracy of the pass. Mm. Yeah. So for that part, um, one thing that's straightforward is we know that you'll definitely help with rugby, right? Those those are rugby tasks. Uh, yes. Those were rugby skills.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, as for powerlifting, I would say powerlifting uh, is will maybe uh, if my my offense about The powerlifting is not so much uh, has slightly less skill compared right. to a lot of other sports. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and. I think a lot of politicians would already be supplementing creatine. If you're already supplementing creatine, you don't have to supplement it before the training when you're sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's unlikely it's going to make any difference.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: But the second one, the second part of that post was about um, uh, possible uh, stress. It was about stress. So... As for stress, we usually uh, calculate testosterone and cortisol ratios. And because the uh, uh, study actually compares the caffeine and testosterone, when we look at uh, sleep deprivation, usually uh, that may be an increment in, in cortisol. And also during the caffeine supplementation, we saw a huge increase, quite a huge increase in cortisol compared mm-hmm. to, to creatine. Yeah, and for what we see, creatine there was actually a drop in cortisol and increment in mm-hmm. testosterone. However, we are not sure in terms of, because we don't have the absolute values uh, from the study itself. We can't calculate the exact ratio, so we mm-hmm. can't really form a concrete uh, conclusion whether yeah. um, creatine has lesser stress compared to caffeine. But mm-hmm. there seems to show a little bit of trend of that. Uh, right. So I think
0: it's worth investigating more. Yeah. Yes. Very hopeful. And um, just to clarify a little bit about the part one, we tested the accuracy of uh, mm. the rugby players. What is accuracy? Because it's it's obviously not mm. not not anything to do with you know uh, maybe it does have something to do with uh, performance, but it's more. I feel like it's mm. more about cognition and being sharp.
3: Yes, right. and that's right.
0: and creatine seems to kind of affect that. What 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 does that? Uh, what is the what do the studies suggest on that?
1: Uh, I think the hypothesis behind it is that mm. okay. First, uh, as we know, the tasks involve uh, sprinting, mm-hmm. throwing, uh, passing a rugby ball into a hoop, and the accuracy is based on whether the ball goes into the hoop or not.
3: Mm. Okay,
1: so uh, it's repeated sprints, uh, repeated runs. Uh, so they to... I can't remember exactly how many times, I believe it was 10 times or mm-hmm. 20 times, so it's repeated. So uh, in sleep-deprived state, um, they, they start usually uh, similar baseline values, they are quite accurate until when they get tired. So what creatine does was that it buffered fatigue. Mm. Yeah? Uh, and more modern-day studies have shown that your brain uses creatine as well. Mm-hmm. So the hypothesis was uh, that because of the creatine in the, in the brain that buffers the fatigue before, uh, for example, uh, utilising glycogen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So those are some hypotheses, uh, but from what the paper can tell us, what is more concrete is that, uh, yes, it's able to buffer fatigue, hence it's able to increase um, accuracy at a later stage of the repeated bouts.
0: Mm, okay. So even if it's not really specific for powerlifting, really, it, it is still mm-hmm. hopeful to, uh, you know, see these studies, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's very helpful. I think it's, it's very interesting. I've never seen uh, creativeness kind of like a... Cognitive performance uh, booster. It's mm. always to me. It was always
0: muscle, muscle. Yeah, I think people have the same idea too. And also, I just have to know just just because you're gonna take creatine, that you can you should train in a sleep-deprived state. It just can't. It just seems. <laughs> no. Yeah, it just helps out a little bit. Mm. Yes. Okay. Okay. It sounds. Um. If you want to. Um. Sorry. We can't get too into the this topic today. Mm-hmm. But if you want to see. Uh. These posts. There's part one and part two. Very interesting. Uh. You can go on to Dylan's uh, Instagram. Is there anywhere else that you posted yes. on
3: or?
1: Um. Mainly Instagram. Uh. My. feet f- f- I think Instagram would be good uh, if, they, okay. if they want to reach me, they can reach me on my email as well i can I can pass it to you later
2: hmm okay,
0: and just to maybe sum up on uh just the practicality, mm. maybe people who want to take a creatine supplementation what are the mm. maybe you have to repeat the same thing but uh what are the the amounts that you should take it uh how often should you take it like and things like that maybe you can suggest something
1: okay just to uh, to to uh, to summarize, uh, so firstly, um, recommendations for our protein uh, go for tester brands, well known ones. People were aware of uh, possible contaminated supplements.
3: Mm-hmm. right? Uh,
1: just now, we also covered what kind of creatine to take. Uh, Generally, the, the most available one on market will be creative monohydrate. I will personally recommend create pure uh, due to its purity and water solubility. You can go for micronized one okay, for it to dissolve even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, for recreational athletes, I believe ISSN's uh, recommendation is 3 to 60 for main- maintenance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ISSN also recommended loading phase. But but if you're gonna take it for a long period of time, um, I'm not not sure. I don't think you need the loading phase. But if you want to do the loading phase, the protocol is somewhat around twenty grams a day for first week, and after that, just taking the maintenance uh, dosage, which is three to six grams. So for me, uh, from what I see in most supplements, the dosage is between three to five grams. So mm-hmm. just take the recreational athletes can just take the regular dosage from this whichever supplement that you're buying.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, which is 3 to 5 grams. For competitive strength athletes, I think perhaps they can afford to take a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're uh, super heavyweight male or super heavyweight uh, female because it's according to your body weight as well. If so, you're on a heavier side, perhaps you might want to take more
0: mm-hmm okay
1: yeah. and, and, just and like the... the recommendations for carbohydrates uh, or fats usually is uh by percentage or how many grams uh, to according to how per kg body weight so yes
0: okay and just for the the point of uh maybe for those who might not be aware of what a loading phase is mm-hmm. uh, can you explain to them the, the uh the reasoning or like the mechanisms or like why load what is loading and why it's uh, why it seems to be more effective? maybe
1: so, um, I think loading phase uh, correct me if I'm wrong uh, I haven't gone through a lot of uh, the, the details of uh, loading phase uh, in terms of the, the papers behind it, but then it's to basically uh, Very quickly bring up their creating levels in the body
3: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah um, before going on the maintenance phase. So, so they want to quickly bring up the performance, they want to quickly bring up the work capacity
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, by just uh, acutely increasing uh, high dosages of creatine. But okay. after that, they'll still be reverting back to 3 to 6 grams as per mm-hmm. ISSN recommendation. So mm-hmm. I, I believe the recommendations from a lot of scientists now is a bit more um, conservative, uh, a bit lesser I think there are more people recommending just one dosage a day, regular one without loading phase.
3: Mm. Yeah.
1: Over time, if you consume creatine over a long period of time, um, you essentially likely to have uh, accumulate the same amount of content in the body compared to someone who is uh, having a loading phase and after that, um, going on a maintenance phase uh,
3: mm-hmm. because your
1: body is always passing out creatine as well. Right. It just, it doesn't stay stuck in the body. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: And um, also maybe how you can take it. Uh, I know that there have been a lot of studies where you take uh, creatine with some sort of carbohydrate, like a juice or something. Uh, have you read anything about that?
1: Uh, I, I, just how I mentioned, uh, uh, when we talk about proprietary blend, uh, I'm not very sure about proprietary blend, but I've seen papers uh, that recommended uh, consuming with carbohydrates and something mm. else. Uh, I'm not sure about the mechanism and, and the results of their paper, but uh, so I can't really give a comment on that.
0: Mm-hmm. But what, what, yeah, what maybe you have seen that things. you can share as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what Sorry? are
0: some options that how you can take it? How do you take creatine?
1: For me, I tend, t- what I do nowadays, um,
3: mm-hmm.
1: nowadays I cycle to and fro my workplace. <laughs> so what i do is i simply just put my creatine in my bottle and okay. just take sips throughout the day okay yeah yeah
0: but it doesn't uh you should, yeah i don't know i can't say much but uh yeah. there are many ways to drink it you can pretty much mix it with juice you can mix it with water yes i i dry scoop creatine i don't know if that's crazy but rice
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: but um so usually i wouldn't put for me, I wouldn't put creatine with a uh, drink that's too cold because uh, it might not dissolve as well. Mm. So uh, it depends. Yeah, yeah. Like If you're like okay, okay with it, it not being, not dissolved, being dissolved, dissolved, it's fine as, as well. As well. Mm-hmm. And, and there are supplement brands that are uh, selling creatine in tablet format. Format. Mm-hmm. Um, I think oh, yeah, 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 the, yeah. you can just consume them like uh, a vitamin. That's fine mm. as well. Yeah. Really so awesome. as long you're consuming for in the, for a long period of time, I don't think you have to be too fast on how or when you're consuming it.
0: Mm, okay, all right, and um, I don't know. Some people might seem like uh, might think, think that, that it, it, just because you take creatine for like a few days that you're going to be like Superman quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like really important that you is... keep taking <laughs>
2: it.
1: Yes, correct. Um, and usually the the results you see in vapors is over. Uh, period of time uh, after Mm -hmm. a training phase of maybe eight weeks, uh, 12 weeks, that's two months, three months. So that's where you see a difference. But uh, after taking it for just maybe a week, you may see a little bit of differences Mm -hmm. in terms of your uh, ability Mm -hmm. to perhaps wrap up uh, the same 80%. Mm -hmm. Maybe you get one or two reps more, but then are you really going to get so much stronger just from that? I don't Mm -hmm. think so. I think it's accumulative over a period
3: of time.
0: Mm, okay. No, I think that you you made it very, very clear. And um, I'm sure that a lot of listeners did get a lot of good, valuable information from this as well, and maybe cleared up some myths, so. yeah, of, like, questions about uh, creatine supplementation. And maybe if, uh, where can, if people want to see your work, uh, where can people reach you? Mm. Are there, like, uh, social media platforms that you can share?
1: Yes, they can come on to Instagram. Uh, my handle is Dylan, D Y L A N underscore S O H. So, okay. Yeah. Or you can reach me on my email at dylanso sk at gmail.com.
0: Awesome. No, that is really awesome. Um, As in terms of maybe, I don't know, very personal question, but uh, with your goals, yeah. maybe with your, maybe even your clients or like your coaching or mm-hmm. uh, for your own uh, performance. Are there any goals that, mm. uh, you're planning on maybe this year or next year or, or yeah,
1: this year or next year. Mm-hmm. Um, right for now, right now uh, it seems that, that most, most things are on hold. I think I the, think the, the, the goal, goal will be, will be to, be to prepare, prepare the athletes yeah. for the upcoming, upcoming season. season. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, hopefully it, comes it comes soon because of, because of, the, of the, whole the whole Corona, program. uh, virus yeah. pandemic situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, All the sporting seasons uh, stopped. Uh, They did not have, for example, like softball. They did not have any like weekend games now. Mm -hmm. Um, But they have resumed training. And Mm -hmm. the golfers, they don't have any uh, immediate um, competition they are looking out for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Powerlifters, there's uh, the next competition is likely going to be next year. So Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be a a while away. I think right now is to. Be able to keep them training, uh, mm-hmm. reduce amount of the de- detraining e- effects of detraining, um, and also reduce the risk when the sporting season start. So it's about getting the, maintaining the condition, yeah. so that they are not so susceptible to injuries when uh, they start competing again.
0: Mm. So it's it's more of a not necessarily on achieving new goals or aiming higher. It's your goals are pretty much trying not to lose some like not the like avoid detraining or like uh to keep it at a standard how it was before the pandemic
1: i think um um injury mitigation um uh, might be overlooked sometimes i think that's not just about uh maintaining i think that's part of aiming higher right Um, if you look at athletes who When we look at, uh, for example, certain um, sports with longer off-season, so usually you look at injury rates, it tends to be higher after they come back from off-season just because they are not so fit. Uh, And also when we look at injuries, usually a lot of times we look at a chronic to acute uh, workload ratio. Mm. So if your chronic workload ratio is low and your acute workload ratio, for example, you just came back from off-season, you did not train much, so now you're trying to prepare for next season so you train really hard a lot of workload so the injury risk is actually higher mm. so when you get injured what happens you're not going to perform well in the season you or worst case scenario you're not going to even join the season so yeah. i think it's part of aiming higher so mm-hmm. it's to prepare yourself uh, where you before you you you're going to excel in competition
0: looking at injuries and stuff is kind of like uh, compared to you know hitting PRs, it's kind of like unsexy in a way, you know and it, it, yes. as you said, it seems to be overlooked yeah it's very important
1: <laughs> yes, and I think if you you're injured less there's a good chance that you'll hit more ps than someone who is always injured mm-hmm. because you are constantly making gains while the other person is always trying to rehab
0: It's <laughs> uh, true because I, I seems like um. A lot of people who do who do come back from quarantine or like from a lot of detraining they tend to be like i'm gonna i'm gonna hit pr's i'm gonna do it as much as i can but it's kind of important to really step back and uh look at the yes. basics of yeah you know injuries and, and a lot of the times
1: for example like after long periods of break like because of the circuit break um because of the lockdown
2: mm-hmm.
1: um there's a good chance you can uh, make gains with less stimulus. So you're at a stage where you can uh, get similar amount of gains without doing so much work. Why would you want to do more when you're mm. getting similar amount of results? <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think um, we tend to be, a lot of athletes tend to be a little bit greedy in that way. Yes. Yeah. yes.
1: Uh, sometimes I do experience it myself as well. So uh, I think that's part of the role of a coach to be the rational one.
2: And right.
1: uh, uh, athletes uh, get too ambitious, so you
0: have to put them back. Mm-hmm. It's very challenging as well. <laughs> okay, I think um, we have <laughs> yes. covered a lot in this talk today. Thank you, Dylan, so much for making the time. I know you're a really busy person, so thank you so much for making the time. Thank, thank you for having me. me. <laughs> thank, thank you so much. So much. Okay, and welcome back, guys! I hope you were able to gain something uh, valuable from this episode because I definitely did. Thank you, Dylan, for making the time to be on the show. Um, All in all, I'm really interested in something like creatine supplementation. It is something that I did study. Uh, I actually specialized this in my graduation thesis. Not that I know that much, as much as Dylan does, but um, yeah, I really am interested in this topic and I hope to uh, learn more about it. I really like the approach in which uh, Dylan goes about uh, fitness and training, you know, with uh, evidence and um, scientific literature and, you know, looking at it from many different perspectives is something that I really do respect and I hope to be able to do that as well. Um, Just to say, you know, I don't usually talk Uh, at the end of interviews and stuff, but uh, what an experience being able to interview so many great people you know a lot of these senpais you know the, the high uh, the more elite lifters in you know uh, powerlifting in Japan and you know people such as Dylan and my friends who lift I'm just really grateful because I would never be able to speak to them if it wasn't for this podcast and um, such a rewarding experience and I'm very very grateful for, for them coming onto the show so just want to say that yes if you have anyone that you'd like to hear from on bubble radio make sure you send me a message instagram facebook twitter i'm on there at bubble radio b-a-r-b-e-l-l radio r-a-d-i-o no space no capital no anything so yeah, just hit me up on there and also I'm on um, Instagram as canon.pl as my powerlifting account So you can, I don't know if you're interested, but if you are you can always, um, I don't know, send me a message or follow me or whatever Yeah, so I know it's been really hot in Japan, wherever you are, but hope you guys are having a really really great week Yeah Okie dokie, I guess that's it for today. Stay safe, stay healthy, and have a good day, guys. (laughs) Bye. Bye!